So for those of you who were here last week, as promised, we hit the second episode in this rather hair-raising, scandalous, or salacious and delightful scandalous, if you wish, story about King David. And today the story turns. God shows up. And as you all understand, David lives in a moral universe, just like we do, and his actions will have consequences. But the remarkable aspects of the story today are that a prophet comes and speaks to a king, and the king listens. It's one of the remarkable aspects. The second remarkable aspect is how the prophet speaks. Nathan does not come to David and expound to him the Mosaic law. There may be historical reasons for that. We don't have to get into those details. But Nathan could have at least come to David and quoted him moral reasons why he was wrong. Could have stood there as judge and juror and sentenced David and left it at that and simply said, this is God's judgment for you and walked away. Nathan does something completely different than that, doesn't he? Instead of standing as judge and juror, Nathan tells David a story. Nathan is a very wise prophet. He knows the power of stories. And in fact, so much so that it works in convicting David's heart. No one needs to be judge and juror. David does that for himself. The good news, of course, is that David recognizes what he has done. And unlike his predecessor, Saul, David will retain the throne. He will have to live with the consequences of what he has done in terms of his reputation. He will have to deal with all the ramifications of that for the rest of his reign. But at last for David, he is remembering, that is, he is putting back together the real story. The story of his kingship. The story of why he is there. And at the heart of that story is God. For if you remember last week, the story was godless. This week God returns and David remembers who he is and the life he is called to. Remembering. Remembering. Think on the word and what it says. If even if you pull it apart in English, it's putting things back together remembering, drawing the limbs of our life back together as a whole. And this is what we do as Christian community. We remember, we use that word when we talk about communion and Eucharist. We gather frequently to remember, as we did this past week, 
when we celebrated Nance Risley's life among us. We remembered together, as we will later this week when we remember Dick Jessup and his life among us. As our families gather and we remember those who have come before us, but more than that, we are called to remember, as David remembered, our story with God. This may be what the author of Ephesians is calling the church to in the beautiful writing we heard today in the second lesson. You are no longer children, the author writes, to be batted about by every wind of doctrine. And this is where we in the Western church especially have fallen down in some measure because we've gotten very doctrinal in our ways over the centuries. We like to have answers to questions. We like to have philosophical explanations for who God is and how God works. We like to intellectualize our God. And in that way, we are like children being batted about this way and that way by doctrine, by teaching. But this is not the way that we are called to be Christian, necessarily. We are called to remember, to recount, and like Nathan, to tell stories. The people come to Jesus today asking for a sign, an indication, and John is continuing his disclosure of God being revealed in Jesus and even has Jesus today explicitly saying, I am, just like the God of Moses, the God of the burning bush. I am this God who was and is and is to come at the foundation of everything that is. But Jesus discloses a God differently than we thought we had. We thought we had the God who made everything and either sat back and watched or at least was around us to judge us when we needed judging. But instead, Jesus discloses a God who enters our story, who comes into our midst sometimes hidden, and now he has been revealed to the people through feeding them, through healing them, through nurturing them. And Jesus is saying, mm -mm, no, this is not just about the fact that your bellies are full. This is about the fact that God is now part of your story. God is no longer an abstraction. God is no longer something to be held at arm's length. God is no longer a convenience. God was convenient for David. God could get lost when David got interested in Bathsheba. No. God is part of the story now. Our story. Your story. My story. Our story together. 
so that we may remember who we are, who we are called to be, who we have been, and who we are becoming. Since coming back from General Convention a few weeks ago, I've been struggling with this remarkable feeling of joy at seeing a new church emerging. And we were talking about what, is, what does he mean by emerging church? Because some of our brothers and sisters use that in a technical sense. Do they mean churches that meet in coffee houses or churches that instead of sitting in pews meet around tables? Church of Starbucks, you know. No. I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the church emerging. That's been part of the struggle. But people have been asking, what was different about General Convention this year as opposed to last time in 09? And I think it boils down to this. In 2009, when we were down in Anaheim, we spent some time working on public narrative which is another fancy technical term, but it really means learning how to tell our story. And the long and the short of it was, can you tell why you are a Christian in two minutes or less? Tell your story. This is something our evangelical brothers and sisters often do better than we do. Why? We like to intellectualize God, right? We like to pride ourselves on being the thinking Christians, but thinking only about God is a way we keep control and hold God at arm's length and keep God out of the story of our lives. People in Anaheim in 09 went to those public narrative sessions and engaged in the exercises some of them kind of grumbling under their breaths, why do we have to do this? Aren't we here to pass legislation? Aren't we here to intellectualize about our canons and doctrines? Aren't we here to forward justice, whatever we happen to mean by that in a moment? Well, yes, but we're here for another reason that may actually be more important. And credit to our leadership, that was allowed to percolate for three years in the wider church. And we gathered in Indianapolis this summer, and suddenly, instead of getting up and talking always out of our heads about why this is right and why this is wrong and why this canon should read this way and why this piece of legislation should pass and that piece of legislation should not pass, we were telling stories. We were talking authentically out of our experience. And that changed everything in ways that I'm not even sure we can begin to fathom. We tapped back into the power of story that Nathan knew. that the writer to the church in Ephesus knew, that Jesus knew. 
goes beyond doctrine and teaching and church structures and organization, is the story of our lives where God is. <clears throat> because there we no longer have a God that we sort of intellectualize and hold at arm's length. We have a God we know. A God may be mysterious, but that makes sense, right? Any of you who have been married know that your partner for life remains a mystery. Yeah? It's funny to reflect, after 12 years of marriage, I wake up and I think, I really don't understand my wife. <laughs> but we know each other. That's what I mean. We know each other. The same thing is true of intimate friendships. The same thing is true of parents and children, of brothers and sisters, of this community. I've been here for six years. I still get surprised almost every day by what people do and say here. <laughs> but we know each other, right? In the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about story and your story, why you are here. And we're not going to be looking for intellectual answers or structural solutions. We're going to be looking for story, because that's where God is. And that's where God enters even the messiest and worst parts of our lives. That is the good news tucked away in this scandalous story about David. Even in the depths of scandal, God is still at work. God is still part of the story. Reflect on that this week. What is your story with God? What is God's story with you? This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.